Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi. Hi, this is Tom Salemi. Welcome back to the OIS Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to talk a bit about Bausch & Lomb today. Uh, the, the company was a topic of conversation at OIS in San Diego. Of course, J. Michael Pearson, CEO of Valiant, the owner of B&L, uh, spoke extensively about uh, his plans for B&L. And it's, a, it's an area of interest for many people. The B&L franchise, of course, is huge in ophthalmology. And folks would like to see it uh, restored or continue to be a leader in the sector. Uh, there's been some concern about that since the uh, acquisition by Valiant. But Mr. Pearson in his talk uh, stressed that uh, Bausch & Lomb will be, uh, will be innovating and will be leading the charge once again. And today I get to, to talk to one of the, uh, the field generals for Bausch & Lomb. Uh, Andrew Chang is Vice President, Sales and Marketing of U.S. Surgical. He's also General Manager. And I got to meet him uh, a few weeks ago at the Octane Ophthalmology Conference. Uh, he was actually on the Growth Stage panel where I thought he did a great job. So I invited him to the podcast, uh, not only to share his story uh, and how he came to love ophthalmology, as, as many of us do, but also what are his plans uh, and designs and, and B&L's plans and designs for ophthalmology. So I hope you enjoy uh, this visit with Andrew Chang of Bosch & Lomb. Well, Andrew Chang, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You've been in, in ophthalmology for, uh, for a good long time, working at uh, several companies. What, what first uh, drew you into, into the sector? Well, I was in the KPMG uh, annual audit and financial sector, and healthcare sector was always a very, very promising growth sector for the financial services. Um, so there's always an intrigue there. And then when I bumped into folks within the industry, my wife included, uh, within ophthalmology, people just love the eyes, and I never could I could understand that. But until uh, I got into it, I, I certainly uh, appreciate the passion, and I share that similar passion for for the patient and also the field as well. And how did you make the move from KPMG to uh, to ophthalmology? Where did you start? Yeah, so it was uh, one of those things where pure pure chance and luck, and and uh, someone's looking out after me. I was, in, in the sector for KPMG, and I had a great mentor there that led me and pushed me towards the sector. And, and of course, uh, you know, we were dating at the time, my, my girlfriend, but now my wife. Um, we, were, we were dating, and then she had an opportunity to work for ISTA Pharmaceuticals uh, on the field-based level. And that's where I was introduced to, you know, Tom Mitro uh, and Vince Anito, you know, true veterans of the space. Uh, with an Allergan to uh, ISTA to what they're doing now to Aerie. And it's been it's been a fantastic ride. So that's how they gave me the first shot and the opportunity from a field base, work through uh, business development, uh, business analytics, to district manager, uh, all the primary products as well. Uh, I was fortunate enough to work through Istalol, Vitrace, Zybrom, um, Brom Day, and then to some degree on the Perlenza side as well. What was uh, what was the ISTA ride like? I mean, it's an interesting story. I know you were at Octane last week. Uh, I saw you there, and uh, and Vince sort of told the ISTA story about how he came in and how the company basically redirected itself entirely uh, into a new direction with a a new line of products. What was that? What was that experience like? It had to be a 
had to be an interesting first time uh, exposure to uh, to ophthalmology and to life yeah, sciences. Absolutely, and you know, I think every day was exciting. And just like Vince would always say, there were certain certain critical moments and pivot points within the company that could have went one way or the other. And I think that drew a certain type of talent to to the industry and to the company. And by doing that, we really banded together um, and through those pucker moments, as he says. And there were truly moments and defining moments in certainly many of our careers, but also the company itself. Uh, just figure out a way and, and got things done, which was really fantastic. I and mean, the culture was was just re- really un, uh, unseen at the time and, and uh, something that we really cherish and to the, even to this day. So that remains a, a strong network. There's a real uh, ISTA alumni network. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we're all through social media or even just at conferences. We would uh, catch up and you know, talk about things, how we did it right, but there were a lot of things we probably didn't write do too well either. <laughs> yeah. and, and then, uh, coincidentally, Bosch and Lama acquired ISTA in, in 2012, but but you didn't stick around. Uh, you went to Optometica. What uh, what was the motivation behind that move? Yeah, you know, I, ironically, uh, at the time, you know, Valiant was starting the acquisition mode, was interested in ISTA, and Bosch and Lama came in as the white knight acquired ISTA, and that's where I was I was able to connect with a lot of great people there. And again, uh, a lot of great mentors and, and folks at the time, uh, Dan Wexler is how we connected. And uh, it was it was just one of those moments where, you know, during the acquisition, uh, there were other opportunities that were around the corner. And, and again, Bobby Osher, Dr. Osher, and Dr. Johnny Gaden at the time said, you should really look at this company called Optimedica. We know Mark Forche is a great leader, uh, can really change the world and, and change cataract surgery. And I was sold. I love technology. That's kind of the thing I do. And uh, I love leading uh, leading different organizations and, and really setting the pace and gold standard of, of care. I think we did quite a bit of that at ISTA and changing the paradigm for for cataract surgery on the, on the drug side. And uh, we certainly wanted to do that here and there with Optimedica. And then, of course, the consolidation uh, movement caught, caught up with you there as well, and it was uh, acquired by AMO. What was that? Uh, what was that experience like? Yeah, you, you know, for the Optometica space, it was jumping in, being very lucky to have uh, a great team there already set up. And my job was really to create awareness, uh, put the brand out there, uh, get things and, and projects started uh, nationally and internationally. So that's what we did. And, you know, of course, it was acquired by AMO. And right before the close, that's when um, Dan Wexler at Bash Bash and Lom, he was heading up the, he was the area group chairman at the time uh, for iCare, for Valiant, and said, I think you should come and uh, help us out with this change that's about to occur. It's a pretty dramatic change. He was was absolutely right in every sense. And, uh, and it's going to shock the system, but you can come in and help us out with it. And that's why I said, sign me up. And I, I love it. I certainly uh, love all the products that Bausch & Lomb had and a great breadth of portfolio uh, that led to our current strategy today for what we call the premium vision strategy. And, and your general manager and vice president of sales and marketing of, of U.S. Surgical uh, for B&L, is that the, the position you came in at? No, in fact, that was just one of those things that kind of spun all around. And 
Um, in fact, when I first came in, it was primarily to work on the equipment side. There was a couple of things that Dan wanted me to work on, which I absolutely um, was ready for and ready to go uh, on the Stellaris and the FACO side and the laser cataract surgery side. So that's how I came in. And then shortly thereafter, uh, was was moved into the general manager role and just overtaking the entire U.S. surgical space uh, for about Shalom and Valium. And what what exactly are you overseeing at, at BNL? Yeah, so my role uh, it's a decentralized model with Valiant, which is a very interesting model. You know, you certainly read about it, but it's in execution. Um, it, it's truly in the execution mode and how you deploy your resources on the regional level. And it's one that I really do believe in. I, you really do have to be uh, really diligent in, in executing that strategy through all the regions. And what that means is each of the countries and business units own their decision through their P&L. So what we do as a general manager, we own our own P&L. Um, research, development, acquisition decisions are made at this level. And it's fairly quick. It's a very fast-paced um, environment. And things change quite a bit. In fact, we're we're always changing something every couple of months. But uh, that's that's the strength of the decentralized model, and that we're able to make decisions very quickly. And it goes up to Ari and, and Ari Kellen and, and Mike Pearson. Uh, really, decisions are made with within you know, thirty to forty minutes a, a quick hit meetings. And that that is uh, unique. Mike Pearson, of course, was at OIS uh, in April, and uh, he was on our Masters of the Universe panel. He talked about how uh, Valiant uh, integrates companies, uh, and uh, sure. and said just that that they make quick decisions. You know, within a, a week or so of acquiring a company, and he'd rather make a decision and then have to make a correction later on if he had to, than than not to decide. And I found that really a, a fascinating way of looking at things. Yeah, exactly that. Uh, the the mode and we want to act quick to make the right decisions. And if it's not, if it's not working, let's course correct now and not having a full committee to make a decision is, is really our strength. And I've seen a, a report uh, that uh, that's, was put out, I think uh, a, a bit ago, but it was showing some, some uh, significant growth uh, in your cataract refractive product, products and, and, and Stellaris uh, and the report also said the IOL business was among the fastest growing. What, what, what is your, your particular business unit? How well is it doing? How is it performing? Can you give us an, an update? Yeah, it, just based on reading everybody's earnings and um, all the quarterly reports as well as market scope, uh, we were able to regain the number one spot in the PCIO market. Uh, again, this is great folks that have given me a lot of advice, like Andy Corley that we saw at – uh, at Octane and uh, other folks that I've bumped into that really guided and directed to what we need to do um, to get back into the number one spot and become a market leader again in the space. So that's that's what we did. So we took great advice and really went back and reinvigorated, uh, reinvested and double our investment within education on the promotional side, but also on the um, uh, education side as well, and working hand in hand with folks like Cal Roberts has been been fantastic because we all share that common vision, and it's really about, and this is what Mike believes in as well. It, during any integration, all customer facing activities, whether it's sales based, customer service, or clinical outcome based, they will not be touched, and we will drive that uh, and continue driving that focus in the field. 
And that's, I think that's part of what's driving our success. If you look at our, our reinvestment within that space and we'll continue doing that, we still have a lot of ways to, to go. Um, and I know we can certainly do more and always improve upon it. And that was also brought up at the OIS meeting, uh, the, the focus on, on customers. I mean, it, it, it was said, uh, Mike Pearson said it, uh, others say it, uh, you know, the businesses always say we, we're, we're in it for the customers. But is it, what is it like at B&L? Is it, is it really a stronger focus on, on engaging uh, the physicians and the customers than perhaps you've seen in other companies, not disparaging other companies, but what is customer focus so, like, at, like at B&L? Is it truly different? Well, even, yeah, and I think even, even looking at where we were a year and a half ago, uh, the customer focus activities like the education programs that the teams put together um, has dramatically changed. You know, the marketing and sales team and the leaders really put it together really nicely for our customers. And it's about educating and improving outcomes. And if you have that in mind, you can deploy resources around it and you feel good and that's the right approach to make. And, um, and again, you know, we have great team, team members like uh, our team with Chuck Hess leading the helm and, and Brad Hurd on the on the on the sales side, and we drive that execution in the field. And I don't know if people say it, but we're actually out in the field quite a bit. Uh, I would say close to 50, 80 percent of the time, where we do make it make it known and an effort to be in the field to understand what the customer wants uh, internally and externally. And that's something I think an approach that certainly that wears on you, but we believe that's what can lead us to better decisions in, in the marketplace because we are, you know, making the decisions on the development path. And I think what Mike was saying was absolutely true. We have 36 new projects now for surgical and we evaluate them quarter by quarter. If they're not hitting their targets, um, we're moving on to the next project or we find a better alternative. And I think I mentioned that at Octane as well. And so did Mike, we, we're not married to, uh, where the where the idea comes from, as long as it's the best idea and the best path forward, and it makes sense for the market. You know, sometimes, unfortunately, uh, sometimes you you know you have a really great technology, but it's just not commercially viable. And uh, whether commercially viable in a clinic or uh, or or even for a company, so our job is to figure out how do we make that commercially viable if it's truly a unique product. And a lot of it has been. Small small improvements, enhancements. We we had ten launches last year, which is really significant for us. Um, a number of five ten Ks within twelve months, um, which is a big leap. And we keep pushing the team. The team is fully committed in doing that. If the ophthalmology sector has a, has a street, uh, I think the word on the street would be that BNL isn't really innovating, and there's some general concerns about the direction it's going. Um, at our at the OA, well, first of all, do you, do you hear that as well? And, and is that something that you feel the need to address in talking with patients or if you're talking with a podcaster like myself? Oh, yeah, I, I absolutely do want to address that because that's something that we, we know that from it was more from what the financial sector was hearing. What we were doing and, and through a, a disciplined approach um, and deliberate approach was to look at all of our projects when we first came in. And it was tough, and, and we made a lot of decisions, and some were right and some were wrong, but we, we certainly made decisions fairly quickly on which projects were sort of the pipe dream and it didn't work for us. And 
And what that meant was within our our preference and our model, we would like to have projects closer to the end stage, meaning the close to commercialization or approval or even post-approval. So that's what we look at. From a pecking order, we go for an acquisition. That's already developed and the, and the risk isn't there from a marketability and a commercialization standpoint. Um, then, you know, the other, the other options are whether it's code development or licensing and when the product is ready. So we did make some hard decisions at the time, um, but also created a lot of value uh, and launched a number of products just like you have seen. I think a lot of people were waiting for that shoot to drop and it never occurred. And in fact, it took the other route where we continued to invest. If you talk to a number of people that work close to us uh, on the surgeon side and some of the community, but you know, certainly we still have a little bit of that hangover uh, which we're trying to correct in, in terms of the perception, but only time will correct that anyway from what we do. And what is the, the is it essential for a company to be known for innovation to really uh, carry some cachet with, with physicians? Do you need to be have your own internal programs that you're uh, you're developing, or is the statement that Mike Pearson made at OIS, you know, the fact that you know, the innovation really comes from outside of the walls of big companies um, and that we're looking for startups and entrepreneurs and and physician uh, entrepreneurs to sort of come up with with the new technology. Is that is that uh, an acceptable uh, philosophy in the eyes of, of your patients and the people your your uh, sorry, your customers and the people you talk to? Yeah, that's that's a great, great question. I think we are not married to it either way. And again, um, if, if we can develop it in-house and we can do it faster and better, we will definitely invest towards that. In fact, we Mike has signed off a, a, a huge project for for Valiant um, on the refractive refractive side for uh, for Bausch and Lomb, and it's a 20 plus million project to Neo that he mentioned on an earnings call. And it's a huge investment to make, but it's a, it'll create that innovation and leap for the sector uh, when, and I really do believe that the refractive market will, will come back to some degree in a growth state. Certainly maybe not to the peak, but it will, it will certainly come back just pure demographics alone on the sheer patients that are available. And, you know, to, to address the, the innovation question, I think it's really important, it, it is important to show that you're innovating, but it's it's a lot of the small steps that come along that way. Whether we're making improvements to the software or technique, um, and but we are making those big leaps as well, which we believe will work. Um, and and a lot of the the technology does come from the outside. If you look at all the different companies, and not to, um, if you look at our own company, a lot of the technologies wasn't developed in house. Look at Crystalline and Trueline uh, was was an acquired technology. If you look at a number of the other companies, uh, and you go down their list, they were all acquired through uh, more innovative companies or smaller companies at the time, and they were able to, you know, put it into the big machine and be able to market it further, uh, but also invest in it further as well. And and it's said that uh, all uh, Bashalam employees really are, are charged with finding new innovation and new tech technologies. Is that something that you're sort of on the on the lookout for when you're Talking if yeah, yeah, absolutely, all the time. We're always looking, and uh, there's always a great opportunity, and there's always great technologies out there. It's how they, how you see it can fit into your, your, your commercial entity or your R and D group or 
how do you make it work and, and make it successful? Because you certainly don't want to take it knowing that you can't make it better. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but that sometimes you, you get really enamored by a technology and, and um, sometimes you do make that mistake. And, you know, we don't get any, we don't, as industry folks, we certainly don't get any credit for investing in bad products. So uh, we want to make sure we invest in the right products. Terrific. And and just last question, what do you see going forward for uh, Bosch and Lam and ophthalmology? Do you see uh, uh, the next five years being uh, high growth or uh, or slow and steady or what, what's coming up? Yeah, you know, it, 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 we all rest on and depend on what the market does, uh, obviously, in the number of procedures and what the surgeons do. We want to be in that, in that, in that space um, with the surgeons hand in hand and We've kicked off a number of big projects where we are getting that feedback from all of our surgeons uh, around the country and around the world to working on our next gen next generation products, um, big and small. And uh, so we definitely look forward for that partnership and that continued education. Um, and I and I say innovation because it, it really is, and it's a lot of the enhancements and innovations that we'll make within the five ten years. That, that I believe we will be able to impact the market and really change ophthalmology. And it's a big, big responsibility of ours, and I certainly cherish that every day, and, and I know our team does as well. It's a, it's, a, it's a great field to be in. Excellent. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for taking some time to join us today. Well, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Well, that wraps up this podcast. Thanks again, Andrew Chang, for sharing your story and for sharing Bausch & Lomb's story uh, going forward in ophthalmology. I hope everyone enjoyed this uh, peek inside. Tune in next week for another tale of innovation. And of course, uh, go to ois.net for information about our upcoming uh, OIS in Las Vegas. If you're a presenting company, now is the time to fill out an application if you want to present at OIS. Please get that in as soon as possible. And of course, if you want to attend, uh, all the registration information is up there. We're ready to take your information. So thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. And eventually, we'll see you in Las Vegas. OIS is now accepting applications for presenting companies. Share your technology and clinical data with over 800 industry executives, investors, and key opinion-leading ophthalmologists. To be considered for the Ophthalmology Innovation Showcase, apply online at www.ois.net forward slash application.